All right, we're continuing in our series, Diamonds of Hope for Your Darkest Days. You know, the Bible says that hope is necessary for life. We can't live without hope. We can live without a lot of things. But hope means having a confident expectation for good things in regard to your future. It means you look towards your future and you believe that good things are coming. That's hope. That even while around you, it may seem dark, dismal, difficult, yet you have hope that one day that's going to change. And when we lose hope, that's when we really give up on life. When you lose hope, you begin to wilt and wither and die. And I have found in my study of the Bible that our God is a God of hope and that one of the areas where the enemy of our soul really attacks is in the arena of discouragement. And behind that discouragement is he takes the balloon of hope and he pops it. And he says, there's no hope. You don't have any hope. What you've done or what has happened to you or because of this turn of events, this setback, this disillusionment, this disappointment, there's no hope for your future. And you know, as always, he's a liar. Jesus said he's the father of lies. And when he speaks, it's always a lie. And so anytime that impulse strikes your mind that there's no more hope, you can know that's a lie because the Bible calls God a God of all hope. He injects hope into us. You can't read the Bible without being inspired to have hope. He's a God of hope. And we're going to look at uh, what I want to call today the final chapter has not been written. This is one of the diamonds of hope for your darkest days, that even though it looks like it's all finished, the final chapter has not been written. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've thought, "Uh uh-oh, it looks like it's all over. Or maybe I've seen my best day, and I found out that that was not true either, that the final chapter has not been written. Just picture your life like a book, and God's writing the book. And sometimes he gets into the middle of the book when the drama is at its height and the suspense and the tension is maximized, and we tend to think, well, this is it. But no, God says, no, I'm still in the middle of the book. You've got to let it play out to the end because the final chapter in your situation, in your life, has not been written. Now, I want to read to you out of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Don't hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For when you say that, you are not asking a wise question. Now, I can't tell you how often those verses have spoken to me. I want you to notice that there's three things I pull out of these verses that just really stand out like red flags shouting at me out of this context. It says, first of all, be patient. Be patient in your spirit. Don't say to yourself, the former days were better than these. Don't feel like you're looking at the end of something. Don't conclude that there's no more hope. He says, be patient. Be patient. The patient in spirit is better than the proud. And then the second thing I see is don't get angry. Don't be angry. Anger rests in the bosom of fools. David the psalmist said, no good thing is accomplished by fleshly carnal anger. And then the last thing I see is 
Don't be wistful about the past. Don't pine about the good old days. Don't live with your eyes focused on the rearview mirror. And I wrote a book about this. The windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. And that's how strongly I believe this principle. Don't live your life looking in the rearview mirror saying to yourself, ah, those were the good old days. Because the Bible says when you say that and you ask yourself the question, why were the good old days better than these, that that is not a wise question. Because when you ask yourself that question, you're really marginalizing the power of God. You're saying that God can't do anything good now. You're saying that his best blessing is behind you. And so you're selling God short when you ask that question. Be patient. Don't be angry. And don't look back wistfully. Because the final chapter has not been written. Now obviously this is speaking to a person in between the promise and the provision. I think most of the testings of our faith happen between a promise of God and its provision, its realization, when we finally possess it. That lag time between promise and provision, that's when most of the testings of our faith happen. And I think that is faith's greatest challenge, between the promise and the provision, the departure and the arrival, the beginning of a thing and the end of a thing. And that's what I see here, that Solomon, the wisest man in all the world, is saying, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. The patient are better than the proud. Don't get angry when you're having to wait on God. Don't ask, why were the former days better than these? But trust God. And the promise is that the end is going to be better than the beginning. That's exactly what he says. The end is going to be better than the beginning. The finish is going to be better than the start. The completion is going to be stronger than the birth. He's talking to people who are in that in-between spot. You know, that in-between spot is the toughest spot. They're in that in-between spot, in between the fulfillment of a dream or a vision or a goal or a hope. That hope of a better marriage, that hope of a new job or a new business, that hope of a ministry birthed of God, that hope of a breakthrough in a tough situation, you've got the promise, you see it in the Word, it's witnessing in your spirit, but it's been so long. Why is all this time going by? And we conclude that it's over, that the book is finished. And my word to you today is, no, the final chapter has probably not been written. You've got to give God time. In between is the place of waiting. In between is the place Satan tries to bring discouragement. In between is where you're trusting God's power, his sovereignty, and his control, and his care are tested. In between the sowing and the reaping, the promise and the fulfillment, the start and the finish, the beginning and the end of a thing is the toughest place of all. No question about it. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The way you set your mind, and I believe this, the way you set your mind, your attitude, and your outlook decide whether or not you reach the end. Now, I'm going to say that again because I know that God wants us to reach the end. God wants us to obtain the promises. But a lot of it depends on 
how we think in between our ears. The way you set your mind, your attitude, and your outlook. Decide whether or not you reach the end of a thing. He says, don't get angry in between. And don't fall into the trap of good old days thinking in between. Because the end is going to be better than the beginning. The beginning may have been incredible. No doubt about it. You may have had an incredible beginning. I can tell you when I first got saved and I accepted Christ into my heart, I was in a juvenile detention center. And I'll never forget, I was in this dingy room that was kind of painted this sickly green and I was depressed and I thought that my life was over. But somebody came and shared the gospel with us and I came forward and I went into a room with this preacher and he led me in a prayer. And I remember the incredible difference that took place when I bowed my head and I prayed and when I came up from the prayer and I opened my eyes Never did a dingy green room look prettier. And I realized that though I was still in the same surroundings, I was not of the same heart. I knew that God had touched me. And it was a glorious beginning. But I got to tell you that even though it was a great beginning and joy filled my soul, and I asked my guard, I said, you know, leave my light on if you don't mind. I was given this little striped paperback New Testament. I had never read the Bible in my life. And I asked him to leave my light on, and he left my light on, and I just began to read this New Testament. I had never read about Jesus. All I knew about Jesus was what I'd heard on the radio with the famous musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. Are you really who they say you are? And that's the only way that the person of Christ ever came before my mind, before my eyes. But now I'm reading about him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I poured through the New Testament, read about him walking on water, feeding the hungry, raising the dead, healing the sick, opening blind eyes. And it was thrilling. But I got to tell you, I can't compare to where I am today. So much healing, so much restoration, so many things God has done for me. The beginning may have been incredible. The presence of God may have been everywhere. That place of promise and excitement, anticipation and faith, a new beginning, a fresh start, a new horizon. But God says the end of God's working will be better than the beginning. When you're in between, when you're in between the promise and the provision, here's the diamond of hope, even for your darkest days. Remember these three things. I always try to remember this when I'm in between the promise and a provision. First of all, stay focused on the finish line. Stay focused on the finish line. Don't focus on where you are not. Focus on where you are and on where you're going. Don't obsess over what territory must still be covered, but focus on the finish line and how far you've come. You may not be everything you're going to be, but you're not what you used to be. You've already gone many, many miles spiritually. Focus on that. Focus on the progress that you've made and keep your eyes peeled on the finish line. I think of the disciples who set out in a boat to cross the lake at Jesus' command. And halfway across, they began to toil and strain. And you know, I've read that and I thought, how true that is to life. Because it's usually the halfway point where we want to faint. I remember that when Nehemiah and the children of Israel were rebuilding the wall, it says halfway through the work is when they said, we can't finish. Halfway through. It's halfway through that college degree, you feel like quitting and getting out. Halfway through high school, you feel like becoming a dropout. 
halfway through that marriage where the thrill is gone and you're wondering where some of your feelings have gone. Those are the times that the enemy says, quit. Halfway across that sea, they began to toil and strain. It says, for the wind was against them. It was not a ferocious wind. It was just a steady, persistent, irritating wind. They got their eyes on the wind and the waves, and they got their eyes off of their destination. But you know what got them through? The same thing that gets you and me through every time. It says, suddenly, Jesus Christ came walking towards them on the water. See, what you need when you're halfway through, and you feel like you're going to faint, and you feel like you're about to give up, and you feel like you're about to put up the white flag and surrender, what you need halfway through is you don't need more money. You don't need a lot of the things that you think you do. Here's what you really do need. You need a revelation of Jesus Christ. A revelation of Jesus Christ. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. And I've often thought, what was he doing? He was walking on top of the very thing that was vexing them. He was walking on top of their problem. Walking on top of their impossibility. They had been straining at rowing, trying to get across this lake. And they weren't getting anywhere because of this wind. And so they were in the same place. They had gotten nowhere. What a frustrating experience. But then Jesus Christ appeared on the scene, walking on top of their problem. And how often it has occurred to me that the very things that vex me, the very things that trouble me, the very things that take me down, the very things that make me want to wring my hands and pull my hair out, Jesus is walking on top of. Jesus has the victory over them. And Jesus walked right up to the boat, and it says, as soon as he stepped into the boat, miraculously and suddenly, they had reached the other side. And isn't it that the way that it works? We're straining at rowing. We're pushing with all of our might. We're sweating. We're trying to reach a certain goal, and it seems like we're getting nowhere. Just paddling water, getting nowhere. And suddenly Jesus arrives on the scene and we find ourselves in the very place we were trying to get the whole time because we get there not by might and not by power and not by strength of flesh, but we get there by the Spirit of God. A fresh revelation of Jesus. Jesus was walking on their circumstances and he's walking on yours and mine right now. When you're in between, get your eye on the finish line and get your eye on the ultimate finisher. Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus is a finisher, and that finisher lives inside of you and me. And that's why the times you've tried to quit, he hadn't let you. That's why when you've tried to walk away, he didn't let you go. That's why when you were struggling and just felt like, I can't take another step, you took another step, and then you took another one. Because Jesus, the finisher, lives inside of you. And the second thing I try to remember when I'm in between is to realize that the joy is in the journey. The joy is in the journey. Look at Jesus' life. He came to die on the cross. This is why he came. He didn't come to this planet to enjoy life, have a family, store up a 401k, retire one day, live to 80 or 90 years old and die. No, Jesus came to die on the cross. That's why he came. He was born to die. And he came to die on that cross and be resurrected from the dead. He came to spill his blood for our atonement. And he knew that from the time he was a little boy. But on his way to the cross, I want you to notice with me that Jesus enjoyed life. And the joy is in the journey, folks. It's not in the destination. It's not in the arrival. The arrival is a very brief moment. 
The arrival is a very brief happening. The journey takes longer by far than the arrival. We've got to learn to enjoy the journey. And so when you find yourself frustrated and saying, it's over, my life is finished, no, it's really not. You've got to learn to enjoy the journey. Learn to enjoy where you are. He came to die on the cross, yes. But I want you to notice that while he was teaching multitudes, walking on water, casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead, Jesus enjoyed the fellowship of his disciples. He knew the joy of seeing blind people see again. He knew the joy of seeing the dead raised. He knew the joy of giving a little girl back to her parents who had died. He knew the joy of sitting in Lazarus' house with Lazarus and Mary and Martha and eating with them and fellowshipping with them. He knew the joy of friendship. He knew the joy of walking long miles, enjoying the view, appreciating the nature he had created. Behold the birds of the air, he said. They toil not, neither do they spin. The one who had created them pointed to them and told his disciples, learn from them. They don't have anxiety, neither should you. He enjoyed what he had created. Jesus enjoyed the journey. He didn't wake up every day with furrowed brow and a frown on his face. He didn't wake up every day wringing his hands, playing a violin, telling his disciples, woe is me, I've been born to die. No, he fulfilled his calling and he enjoyed life. He enjoyed the journey. Some people are so caught up in arriving at a destination they don't enjoy all the things that God provides on the way. And it's amazing what God provides on the way. If you just open your eyes and look, God provides many, many things on the way. Things that God is doing every day. I read recently, somebody called it finding God in unexpected places. And this individual, Philip Yancey, talked about how he had found God in such unexpected places as prisons that he visited and seemingly desperate people who he interviewed and found that even though they were desperate, some of them terminal. They had the silver lining of grace working on them and there was joy even in their sorrow. He found God in so many unexpected places and one of the messages of the book was that if you'll open your eyes and look around, God is not just in church. God is not just in Bible studies, but God is in your car on the way to work. God is on the highway. God is in Albertsons as you're shopping. God is in hospitals. God is in the streets. God is everywhere. And if you open your eyes and slow down and enjoy the journey, you find God in unexpected places. Enjoy the journey in the in-between place as you're waiting for your breakthrough, for your answer, for your provision, for your destination, as you're waiting, as you're walking, as you're journeying, enjoy it. And then finally, in the in-between place, there will be things you don't understand until later, and you just got to know that. And that's why this is one of those diamonds of hope in your darkest hour, because you're experiencing things right now that you're not going to understand right now. And I've had to experience that, and I've had to come to that conclusion myself. There's going to be some things that I just don't get until later. One of the people I appreciate most in history is Winston Churchill. And you know, in 1899, in South Africa, as a young war correspondent for a British newspaper, Winston Churchill 
was on a train carrying British troops when it was attacked and derailed. Churchill was captured by the enemy and taken prisoner to a POW camp. Four weeks later, he saw the opportunity and Winston escaped. He had no compass. He had no map. He had four pieces of chocolate, a few biscuits, and he faced 300 miles of hostile enemy territory. A reward was issued for his capture. They looked everywhere for him, scoured the countryside. He jumped onto an old coal train, rode it through the night, jumped before dawn, and realized that every bridge was manned by the enemy, and they had all been contacted and told to look for him. It got so bad that at one point, he woke up and saw a gigantic vulture who manifested in his own words an extravagant interest in my condition and made hideous and ominous gurglings from time to time. Finally, he determined to walk towards some lights in the distance. It was a mining settlement. He chose a house at random, knocked, and a man with a pistol opened. Churchill told him the truth of who he was, where the old man exclaimed, quote, Thank God you have come here. It is the only house for 20 miles where you would not have been handed over. We will see you through, for we are all British. Churchill later testified, I had prayed long and hard for guidance, and it was swiftly and wonderfully answered. And when Winston Churchill became the Prime Minister of England and saved his nation from being taken over by the Nazi war machine, and was instrumental even in some of the liberty we enjoy in America today. When he reached that place of responsibility, tremendous stress, tremendous pressure, he looked back on that time when God providentially and sovereignly guided him. And there was something about that moment, that event, that began to gel in his mind. And it helped him to trust the same God to see him through the war. He didn't understand it at the time like he did later. And it'll be that way with you, and it's that way with me. How many times have we looked back in the rearview mirror at something that happened years ago, and only now does it begin to make sense? There's going to be things you don't understand until later. Abraham didn't understand why God wasted so long to give him a son. 25 years. Moses did not understand. 40 years on the backside of a desert. David didn't understand why God allowed Saul to pursue him and stalk him for 10 years as he lived in caves and under the stars and open fields, always looking over his shoulder, always sleeping with one eye opened. Only later did he understand that God had hammered the steel of faith and trust in God's providence and protection into his soul. Joseph didn't understand why God allowed him to be taken captive to Egypt. He only understood years later when he told his brothers what you meant for evil. I now see God meant it for good. I didn't see it then, but I see it now. They all understood later, and yet not understanding didn't stop them. You see, there is a diamond of hope in your darkest day right now. And that diamond of hope is that no matter what it looks like, no matter what the difficulties are, no matter what you're facing right now, God's Word declares to us, the final chapter has not been written. Don't assume that it's over. Don't assume you're finished. Don't assume God has put his pen down and closed the book. Don't assume, but trust him. 
Stay focused on the finish. Realize the joy is in the journey. And know that there's some things you're not going to understand. And that does not mean that it's over. It just means that in the dark of night, when you don't get it, when God seems far away, you just look up with the eye of faith and you say, God, I trust you. Though I don't understand your hand, I trust your heart and I'm not going to give up. I believe that some of you listening right now have felt like maybe God was finished, like maybe the final chapter has been written, and you've thought about just, well, maybe I need to get out of church, get out of the Bible, quit praying, and call it a day. Maybe you've gotten on in years, you're 70, you're 80, and you're telling yourself the final chapter has been written. Thank God Moses didn't do that. Because at 80 years old, he delivered Egypt. At 80 years old, he delivered Israel from Egypt. Thank God Abraham didn't think that. Because at 100 years old, a child was conceived named Isaac, the son of laughter. Thank God that those saints of old didn't give up and say the final chapter had been written because they had aged. I want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that there is a diamond of hope a diamond of hope in our darkest hour. And Lord, I thank you that the final chapter has not been written. I pray for my friends and my precious radio listening audience. I pray for everyone in their cars, their home, in their hotel rooms. I pray for you. I pray that God will strengthen you, that he will help you to focus your faith on the finish line, not on what is behind you, that he will help you to enjoy the journey and not lose patience not get angry, not turn away from God in disgust because of his timing. And I pray that even though you don't understand, you will still hang on to God because someday, by and by, we will understand. But keep on keeping on whether or not you understand. Lord, I pray this for them. And I thank you that you're still writing on the pages of our life and that Jesus Christ is going to get the glory And it's going to end on a positive, victorious note. In Jesus' name, amen.